Welcome back to Pretty Good Vibrations, the podcast that both analyzes and celebrates pop and rock music and the central role that it plays in our lives, certainly in my life, certainly in my guest's life today. Uh, In a minute, we'll be hearing from Ethan Luck, a dear old friend of mine. Today, we're doing one of these uh, Wish I Wrote That episodes, which is a new kind of shorter episode type that I'm doing. I'm, I'm kind of playing around. I'm, I'm iterating, trying out different ways to talk about the music that I love and think about it, ask people about it. And uh, this is this is one. So so we're talking today about face to face. The song is called You Could Have Had Everything. It's not as not as popular of a face to face song, but it's one that's very important to me. Face to face Southern California Inland Empire band. This is from their album Reactionary, released in the year 2000. And Reactionary was uh, a return to their kind of straightforward, hook-laden, emotionally resonant punk rock that they'd been known for. Uh, Up until their previous record, Ignorance is Bliss, which veered pretty strongly into slower, moodier, more emo territory, uh, much to the chagrin of the majority of their fan base. But with some hindsight... Ignorance is Bliss now has a kind of cult status for face-to-face fans, and a few of my all-time favorite songs by face-to-face are on that record. For instance, let's hear a little clip of the song Prodigal. Are you kidding me? Did they take this album off of Spotify because they are so embarrassed by it you know what i was gonna wait a second but ethan just hop on here man hey welcome <laughs> i'm well do you I, know I get about the, this i was about to look on my phone and see if it's on apple music but um wow I, if it's not if it's not on there i don't i don't think it has anything to do with trevor and the guys uh I, um i think they still i think they like that record so i listen hearing you wow. even mention that record i could do it i could sit down and talk about ignorance is bliss for two hours no problem I know, I, love that I know, record. but it's a and I'm going to explain why I, I actually like that record more than Reactionary. But the the sort of this <laughs> like this is pretty unprofessional here. Uh, but you the reason that, that I wanted to hear uh, the reason I want to do Dude, the Reactionary track music, is because oh, shit. Well, I'm not going to you know go listener. If you want to hear an emo version of Face to Face, go pull up Prodigal or Burden or name a couple of the songs off that record you like, Ethan. Everybody hates a know-it-all. Come on. Everyone hates a know-it-all. Yeah. Um, I Just for fun, I'm looking on, I don't have Spotify, but I have like the free version. Yeah, it's not on Spotify. Yeah. I don't know why. That's really weird. Well, oh, well, that's fine. Uh, th- those songs will get some play somewhere along the line on this show, I'm sure. Um, the point is, <laughs> really got a great start here. The point is that that's got some cult status, but at the time it was very controversial and they almost immediately went back to basics. And this yes. album, Reactionary, was when they went back to basics. And actually, do you remember this, Ethan? They utilized mp3.com to have fans vote on what would make the record of all these songs yeah. they recorded. That was Did back you participate were... in that vote? I voted. I was an mp3.com power user at that point <laughs> in my life. A power user? I think I so. I was an mp3.com user. I did not participate in the vote, unfortunately. Um, uh but listen, reactionary. Uh, that's actually one of my. That's probably in my top four 
face to face records, I would say. It's a good um, record. It's a really good record. Like if you're going to return to form after a record that your fans, Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah, the majority of them hated and you're going to return to form, my God, did they come out swinging for sure. Um, and, 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 you know, I've, I've watched like, you know, the old face to face documentary, which I think you can find on YouTube now. And they, and they, and they go into all that, you know, and they talk about ignorance is bliss and how their fans hated it and how they, you know, were going back to their old sound and stuff like that. But, um, I think it definitely left a bit of a dent, you know, at the time, not maybe now in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think now people have probably come around to that record, um, ignorance is bliss. Um, but man, reactionary is no joke that, and, you know, um, and Pete Prada's first record on like a punk sounding record. Obviously, his first record was Ignorance is Bliss, but Pete Prada on drums, man, it's like, oh, that dude can play so fast. And that dude is like no joke on the drums. Well, that's OK. So that's kind of a good segue into why I did want to talk about this record. Um, so the whole the whole conceit for this idea of these wish I wrote that episodes is I'm trying to weave in a little bit of autobiography with a little bit of what we normally do on the show anyway, which is like listening and talking about music that we love. The autobiography is about the fact that when I turned 14 or 15, I started writing songs. And there's a, there's a certain way you can think about songs when you are also trying to write them that is different than the way you think about them when you are merely a listener. And there's there are many, many songs, most songs I've ever loved have not intersected in a special way in that moment with the music I was trying to write in that moment. Right. These episodes are about songs that have intersected in that way. And I'm just thinking that's like perhaps one additional lens that might bring out some cool conversation um, and stuff like that, some, some stuff that might show up. Um, but let's do a little bit of face-to-face -face intro. So if you've only ever heard one song by face-to-face, -face, it is probably this one. And this is the version that was played on the radio where I lived. So I'm guessing it's this version. This is a song called Disconnected. It's been on uh, multiple face-to-face -face albums. Uh, if you've yeah. only heard one thing, it's probably this. So yes. that's our that's our introduction to face to face. Let's do an introduction to our guest here. Eight minutes in, <laughs> oh Ethan, Lord. you have been in so many bands. Here's the list that I know of, and you tell me okay. if I'm missing any. The, and this is more or less chronological order: the Dingies, okay. the OC Supertones, Project Eighty Six, Demon Hunter, Reliant K. Are there more bands yep. that you've been a member of than those? I mean, yeah, but like uh, small little things. Smaller like ones, nobody... okay. And you've yeah, also, yeah. No, you th also th those have are a, all the main ones. Those are the main ones. And, and you also have like a, a distinguished career as a what, touring member uh, of many bands. Uh, give us that list too. Yeah, I mean, that that's essentially what I do. Now. By the way, I do want to clarify the Project 86 thing. Yes, I basically helped start that band with Andrew. 
And then after about a year, I was out. It was before they got signed. I think my last show was the first show Brand Nebel saw the band at okay. Tom Fest, if yeah. you remember that, up in up in uh, I Scott do remember Mania. Tom Fest, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, I just, you know... Um, it just wasn't enjoyable to be in that band. Um, so I didn't did. Did Randy <laughs> take over for you on guitar, or was that was Randy joining? No, separate? I played. I actually played bass. Oh, you're a bass on project. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I played, and then Stephen Dale came in after after me, and he was the better fit, obviously. But um, yeah. But anyways, yeah. I mean, basically, um, I mean, the last band I was an actual member of was Reliant K, and I, I did do like this little reunion tour thing. Uh, gosh, almost two years ago now. Um, and I played bass of all things, which is really funny because I was the drummer nice. in the band. Yeah, yeah. But um, that, but that was the last band I was. You're like, the drummer on my favorite album. Forget and not slow down. I, I well, thank just say you. That. Yeah, I, pre- I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, that, that, yeah. Like I said, last last band I was a member of, and ever since then I've basically just been like a touring musician, um, or what people call like a utility musician, where I'll play multiple instruments with an artist. Um, I've been more in the country world now, uh, if of anything, which is kind of funny, you know, coming from like, you know, playing in like ska and punk rock bands and whatever. Yeah. And then now I'm, you know, in the country world. So I played with an artist named Morgan Wade. Um, I played, actually played a few shows with this girl named Haley Witters last September, which was, which was really fun. Uh, I did auxiliary for Kings of Leon. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of that band up and coming kind of <laughs> yes, rock yes. band. Um, I was going to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did. A, I did. I got asked to do a tour with that band, Need to Breathe, uh, in 2019, mm-hmm. like an acoustic kind of theater tour, which was a blast. Um, Sweet. I never met those dudes before that. Really nice dudes, and me and Josh, their uh, their keys guy, uh, really hit it off. We're both vinyl nerds, so pretty much every day we spent at record stores before and after sound checks. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's basically I do that, and then and then you know I do session work in, here in Nashville, and uh, and sometimes here at my home studio, which is. A garage <laughs> behind that, that garage white, and it's, white doors is a washer and dryer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay. So the reason that I asked you to come on besides just, obviously we could talk about any kind of music ad nauseum for any amount of time yeah. is that you were in the Los Angeles, Orange County area, you know, the dingies years overlap with face to face, the supertones years down there overlap with face to face. Um, the first question I want us each to answer is what we were doing in the year 2000. Uh, and I'll, I'll go first since I didn't give you much time to think about it. So in the year 2000, in the year 2000, the year 2000. yeah, there we go. Uh, I was only six to seven hours north by car uh, of yeah. this scene, this SoCal punk scene. I was up in San Jose, California. This was my junior and senior year of high school. I was absolutely neck deep in what I would call hooky punk rock. Mm-hmm, okay. uh, my 1993 Ford Explorer's back window was decked out in band stickers. The ones I can remember are No Effects, MXPX, Bad Religion, Strung Out, Face to Face, No Use for a Name, Rancid, Operation Ivy, and eventually Sunny Day Real Estate made it on there to kind of like be like, yeah, but I got a little bit of an arty side to me, guys. <laughs> um, I did see Face to Face. It might have been on the reactionary tour. Yeah. Uh, at the Cactus Club in San Jose with Saves the Day and Some 41 opening up. Whoa. Um, and as I said, I was I was already a big face-to-face fan. Uh, kind of the one that really landed for me was the fourth record, the self-titled, which I think was um, 
the second on a major label. And that, that one sort of blew the doors open for me. And uh, as a result, I was in the mp3.com face-to-face fan community and contributed my little votes to which songs would make the this record a reactionary. <laughs> what was your what was your mp3.com status called again? Master mp 3 or something? You mentioned <laughs> oh, I it was earlier. A power user. I was a power a user. A power user. There it is. Because <laughs> I was because I was absolutely fucking, you know, ravenous for new music. I mean, yeah. that's the real difference between then and now in terms of access is, you know, it was hard. It was hard to find stuff. It was hard to get it. You had to save your money and buy a physical CD. I mean, it was just such a different process. Um, what were you doing in 2000? You, you were down in, in SoCal. I was in Orange County, California. I, I, I originally am from Long Beach, California. And then when I was probably, I don't know, 11, we moved down to Orange County. And uh, so, yeah, I was kind of immersed. I didn't know it at the time. And, and maybe, you know, looking back, like I should have known better, but, I didn't quite understand uh, like the mecca of music I was in geographically, you know, with LA being just North San Diego being just South, I was right in the middle and, you know, and then you have like Riverside Inland Empire area. And, um, and I was going to do a little, you, you mentioned the Inland Empire. It's probably still considered that, but, uh, where face to face is from is considered the high desert. Oh, Victorville, okay. California. I, you know, yeah. I looked it up because I was like, where's Victorville? And then I was <laughs> like, I think that's Inland Empire. And I Googled it. And it looked to me like most of Inland Empire goes much further in. But yeah. it, it did appear to be it's it's maybe a, a fringe case there. It's kind of like when you're on the edge of, of, of like Riverside and stuff. And then and then it's just nothing. And then you get to like Victorville further east. Oh, but um, I see. So it's but yeah, like there. like Trevor, Trevor Keith, who's a, a friend of mine, actually. So I'm stoked to even more stoked to do this song. He lives out here as well. Writer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Primary writer. Um, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll refer to Victorville as the high desert, but either way, it's way more poetic to say high desert. I mean, I'd prefer it. I'm from the high desert. Um, (laughs) uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, being in the middle of orange County, it was like, it was crazy cool to, to be in high school when a lot of this stuff was happening. Like, you know, no doubt getting more popular and, you know, bands, you know, and obviously there was a huge ska scene in Southern right. California at the time. Right. Um, you know, Real Big Fish, Safe Ferris, Aquabats, all the, all those bands. Um, then you had like Blink-182 down South and, and, and bands up in LA, like Bad Religion and stuff like that. And then, you know, we had our Orange County bands like Social Distortion and, and no doubt, like I said, so it was cool to be in the middle of all that. And, um, I think when I was that age, like junior high and high school, um, I graduated, graduated high school in 96 and I, I just thought that's, this is what it's like everywhere. You know, I'd never, I hadn't really traveled much other than going on vacation with my family, you know? And the one place that I did go when I was pretty young was New York. Some, so something even bigger and and more of a monstrosity than even LA. So, um, I just thought this is how every every town is. Everyone's got just bands everywhere, and then no, I think you're once like I a child up- who was born at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and didn't <laughs> exactly. know. You're like, doesn't everybody have access to a chocolate river? Exactly. Just mecca. Um, but that was that was that was a great thing growing up. And I and the older I got, and once I started touring, I realized like, oh, we we we've got it good, <laughs> you know, right. out in Southern California. Um, and just being cl- in, in in close proximity to like, you know, if something cool is happening up in the Bay Area, it's like, you know, in less than you know seven hours, you can get up there. Or totally. Phoenix was four and a half five hours away, Vegas stuff like that. Um, yeah. but yeah, in 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 face to face was one of those bands that. I don't know how, but they kind of flew under my radar until the self-titled record. 
Mm. You know, with like don't don't turn away and big choice. But I remember yeah. hearing disconnected on K Rock, and that's what I was going to say. I must have been introduced to them. That's kind of my second question: is how did you get into face to face? And I know it was it would have been disconnected on uh, Live One Hundred Five or Ninety Eight Point Five. Yeah. You know, the rock stations in in the South Bay Area. Uh, but the first album I really got into was that self titled. Yeah, that same for me. And and hearing disconnected, it would either be on K Rock or where we lived in kind of South Orange County. I could sometimes pick up the San Diego station 91X and I would hear it on there too. And, uh, but even then I still, like, I loved the song and I don't think I realized they were a California band mm. until my friend Zach, I don't know if you remember Zach Schultz. Um, he was in that band stairwell. Um, and in the mid 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 ish nineties, him and I worked, it was just like right before I started touring him and I worked at a, at like an after school daycare. Um, and we were like the cool leaders at the daycare. Cause I had okay. you know, at the time had a, a few tattoos and you weren't supposed to, my boss didn't care. Uh -huh. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, dude. But Zach and I, a lot of times would carpool together to work and, and kind of trade off what CDs we were putting in the CD player in the car. And he put in the self-titled record and I was like, this sounds familiar. He goes, he goes, you know, the song disconnected that's, this is face to face. It's like, yeah. this is their, their latest at the time, their latest record. Yeah. And then I just got obsessed with that record, that 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 uh, self-titled record. Just, I mean, every song is just so good. I don't think there's one track skipper it's, on there. It's super solid. Yeah, it really is. And then shortly after that, I think in probably '98 or '99, I uh, myself and Zach um, we got tickets to see Face to Face up at I can't remember what it was originally called. It was it's the Avalon in L.A. or maybe that was the old name. Either way. Yeah. We went up there and it was face to face headlining. Direct support was Jimmy World, so around the wow. um, Clarity era, and we got typical Orange County in LA. We got stuck in a shit ton of traffic, and we got there for like two songs of Jimmy World, and we were like pretty new Jimmy World fans at the time, so we were pretty bummed. And then the opener we totally missed, but that, I think it was No Knife who opened that show. But face to face, it was like <clears throat> them live. And, and and not just like, oh, back in the 90s, they were like this. Like, I've seen them, at, you know, way, way later in the last 10 years, and they're still just as good live. And it was a, a swift, like, lesson in how to structure a set list and what not to say in between songs. Because they, like, Trevor hardly spoke. Every once in a while, he would say a couple things, but it was like the first, like, seven songs You'd end a song like da 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 one two three four, but right into the next one, just like no time in between songs, yeah. and just so blown away. So, um, so then you know around that time, Ignorance Is Bliss comes out. I fell in love with that record because, like you, I was getting into like Sunny Real Estate, Jimmy World, um, Mineral. You know what what we considered emo back then. Now emo is yeah. basically everything under the pop punk umbrella, and it could be yeah, a screamo band. Yeah, it's emo. The earlier Whatever. emo was distinct enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's back when people would describe it as emotional music. Yeah. That's why they call hardcore. it emo. Mm -hmm. um, so, so then, you know, get up to 2000 and um, it's like, wait, they're already putting out another record. And I remember seeing it at like Tower Records or something in uh, El Toro, California. And just, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to buy that, you know? And I had no idea they were going back to like a punk rock sound. Right. I was obsessed with Ignorance is Bliss. I thought it was such a great record. That so many creative, cool guitar parts and melodies and and lyrics and 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 I, for one, really like when bands evolve as long as it's still good. You know, it's like 
some bands try something new and you're like, whoa. At first it takes you by surprise. It's stylistically, it's different. But then all of a sudden you're like, well, these songs are great. The lyrics are great. The melodies are great. The arrangements are great. The production's great. Whatever. The whole package is there. So you're like, well, shit, this is awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow along this ride. And so I didn't know they were going back. I, I was expecting like, what's the follow-up to Ignorance is Bliss going to be? And then I just picked up the reactionary and I was like, oh, it's right back to where they left off before that record. And and I loved it just as much. I thought it was such a good record. The songwriting was great. Um, I've told Trevor, I'm like, dude, this is one of my favorite face-to-face records, you know, because they don't play a, a ton of these songs live. Um, every mm. once in a while they will. Um but yeah, it's I, not I, as big. Yeah, it's not record. as big on their Spotify plays and stuff like that. It, it it seems to have a little bit fallen through the cracks, and that is surprising because it. I mean, it just sounds like right up their alley. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a return to form, and and like you were saying, like they succeeded. You yeah. know, and and yet like a bunch of stuff since then is is like more popular among their fan base, and you know, it's hard to it's hard to know how that stuff you know, comes to pass and, you know, it's different, different stories for different bands. Right. Let's get into the song a little bit. So this song is called, you could have had everything. It is the seventh most popular song on this album, which is a <laughs> unpopular album. So this is, you know, in my opinion, kind of a under, you know, an underknown gem kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, I'm going to start by playing it from the start. This song is two minutes and 15 seconds. This is part of the thing. One of the things I love about it. Oh, yeah. is it's just no nonsense, get straight into it. And later I'll talk about kind of my favorite part, but let's just get, let's get a little bit of uh, context here for You Could Have Had Everything by Face to Face, the song we are focusing on here today. Let's go. Ignorance and arrogance be quite the same to me. Take a look around you, let them say it will agree. The world is full of people filled with hatred, filled with greed. Such a rare example when you find a human being. Okay, I want to start there. We are at the 28 second mark <laughs> when that chorus ends and the second verse begins. That yeah. is my love language right there. <laughs> it really is. And and I know how much you like uh you know even like pop formula or whatever or or um mm-hmm. or or I was uh, you know that made me think of when you mentioned the 20 what 28 seconds. Yeah. Um there's a popular term. I don't know if it was originally just a Nashville term or just a songwriter term, but don't bore us, get to the chorus, right? Well, yeah, I, I associate that with Tom Petty. Like he would always say yeah. that. And I, I don't, I don't know if he's the only, the only one who came up with it or what, but yeah. yeah. But this, this is a, this is a, a, a masterclass in getting to the chorus fast. Yeah. Like, like fifteen seconds. I, I don't think people can even, even figure out why they're bored before that chorus hits. Right. You know? Yeah. There's no time to be bored. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, you couldn't, yeah, you couldn't even get to where you wanted to get to that chorus because you were bored. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things I love about it is like, it's fast, it's catchy. And in the year 2000, you know, to, to kind of contextualize it with where I was when it came out, that is, that's what I wanted. And this was also like the music that I was trying to write exactly. Uh, at this yeah. point, I was in my second high school punk band. Uh, the first one was called Permanent Holiday. I was the drummer, and I got kicked out for being lazy and not helping enough with loadout at shows, which uh, every time I've told that story, my former Sherwood bandmates would get a nice snicker. 
Um, <laughs> this time I was the lead vocalist, a guitar player, and the songwriter. And we were called Ignorant Youth. And although yeah. recordings exist somewhere, we will not be hearing them. <laughs> well, that's a um, shame. It's not worth it. Uh, but Face to Face, you know, they've always written pretty straightforward songs. They're not they're not too complicated other than um, Scott Shiflett's bass lines, which, by the way, he just in read. case people don't know, <laughs> brother of, of Chris Shiflett from Foo Fighters. Uh, very nice yep. guy. Did you, do you know, did you, have you gotten to know Scott at all, uh, you know, through knowing Trevor and the other guys? I know. Um, I, what's funny is I met Scott before Trevor, uh, not too, so when Trevor first moved to Nashville, this is, I, I'm going to get this wrong, but probably around 2011, 12, maybe. Okay. Um, I was in Japan with Reliant K. We were doing the Punk Spring Festival and Face to Face was on it. And oh, nice. so I don't know, somebody had told me, I don't remember who, someone told me that Trevor moved to Nashville. So I thought when, when I was there, I'm like, oh, I should say hello and just introduce myself and maybe he wants to grab a cup of coffee or something. Yeah. And at this point, obviously I'm, I've been a professional touring musician for years Yeah, it's years like not weird point. for you to ask him. No, like no, this isn't like, uh, yeah. ignorance is bliss rules. You know, it wasn't like yeah. one of those, you know, um, Chris Farley to Paul McCartney sketches. <laughs> you remember that time you wrote uh, ignorance is bliss? Yeah, you, you remember big choice? Um, Anyway, so I, I remember doing like a, we had like a, some interviews or something, and I'm, I'm leaving those, going back to the dressing room area, and out of another room comes Scott Shiflett. And so we kind of make eye contact. I was like, hey, what's up, man? Great set today or whatever, last night, because there was three shows. And so um, we just start talking as we're walking, and uh, I said, oh, I'm Ethan, I'm playing Reliant K and blah, blah, blah. And uh, and, and I don't think you know this fact. You mentioned my one of my early bands, The Dingies. So the, the one record I played on called Armageddon Massive Half of the bass tracks are Scott Shiflett. There you go. And, here, and here's the reason why was our bass player, uh, Bean, or Matt Hernandez, at the time, was a great bass player, came up with great bass lines, uh, really tasteful bass player, but was a finger player, right? And never cool. played with a pick. And our producer, Steve Kravak, who did records like, you know, Life in General by MXPX. Yeah, MXPX, yeah. Um, we, recorded, we recorded at West Beach in Hollywood where a ton of great records were made. Like, just look up on all music or something and it's mind blowing the punk rock in the nineties that was made there. Yeah. But, um, he, so, uh, Steve Kravak brings in Scott Shiflett to play like, I think it was like five or six songs of the 12 that needed a pick on a P. Yeah. Bass. He had picked bass playing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so Scott, so I tell this to Scott in Japan and he's like, Oh my gosh. And he, it like, you can tell he's kind of racking his brain. He's like, dude, I remember that. He's like, was it? Cause I didn't tell him the studio yet. He's like, was that at West Beach? I'm like, sure was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, and then, so he, I guess he had kind of mentioned to Trevor or whatever, and then me and Trevor got in touch and then ended up, you know, kind of becoming buddies. Um, and to the point where just last, late last summer, um, he did an acoustic show here in Nashville. He did four acoustic shows um, in, within a matter of a few weeks. And he asked me to uh, play with him. So I played like second guitar on a few songs and I mainly played lap steel with him, which is really fun. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I met Scott just once and the, or maybe twice actually. Both times with me first in the Gimme Gimmies, that was back in the day that I was kind of friends with with Fat Mike from No Effects and me first. Uh, we actually, Sherwood played Punk Spring one year in 2008, and me first was on that show. But I found out that that's the only time that Chris Shiflett from Foo Fighters would tour with me first in the Gimme Gimmies is when they went overseas. So he was there and not Scott. <laughs> Scott didn't get to didn't get to go to Japan, which is a bummer. Ah. Um, 
but you know, so these face to face songs, like at this time in my life, when I'm trying to write melodic punk rock, they were approachable. They, they felt like they do feel like the kind of thing that any kid with enough like pluck could maybe figure out with just enough, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of talent, a little bit of luck. And isn't that, I mean, don't you think that's kind of the allure of punk in general? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, I'll, I'll tell you this, it's the, it's the reason that it's on my water bottle a million times. It's, it's the reason the clash realized they could do this too, was they heard the Ramones and were like, we can do that. And it's, I mean, I didn't get into punk rock till I was in high school. Um, and at that point I've been playing guitar for five or six years. So like I wasn't, I already learned power chords by learning like eighties metal songs and then, and then actual metal songs with Metallica or Megadeth or whatever. Yeah. And, um, but it is one of those things that's like, oh yeah, I can just learn power chords and I can um, just play my guitar super hard and write lyrics. And, you know, it, it, there's a simplicity to it. But I think there's also like, um, I don't know what, how you would describe it. Um, there is a sophistication to the, I think, the way Trevor writes, because it's not just like my mom and dad suck. Get me yeah, out of yeah, yeah. the house. You know, certainly like, not lyrically. No, he's he's. There's no. more going on. Yeah way more going on and 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 i don't know i've always had this 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 observation that especially in in uh growing up in the in the 90s in high school was you know i feel like they were always one of the most badass punk rock bands that i had seen live and i just feel like all these other bands just like really took off you know especially by the late 90s and i don't know if it had to do with ignorance is bliss i don't know if it had to do with it i you know you had bands like blank that were writing songs about you know masturbation and whatever that was certainly you know, the moment it was a juvenile moment in right very juvenile punk rock yeah I, I just felt like there was this maturity to face to face and trevor's writing always that 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 um in a way set them apart from everybody else i feel like they don't get lumped in with pop punk as much as a band like blink or some 41 or mxpx or whoever right you know um there was just it's i don't know it's very poppy just, but it, it's it's sincere that's a that's a word yeah. that I think separates face to face from some of those other bands. And I think just, you know, even thinking about like the, was it Woodstock 99, right? That was the crazy year where it, it all turned to shit and they made the that's where it really documentary about shit. it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's the year the enema of the state came out. So obviously like the limp biscuit moment is different than the pop punk moment, but the kind of, um, you know, it's, it's the height of almost like, stuff magazine culture, you know, in, in kind of male mm-hmm. American culture, it's very lowest common denominator. Now I love blink. Like I, I love them, sure. but I love them as song crafters. Uh, I don't love them as lyricists, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't, <laughs> I love them as it, comedians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're funny and they are yeah. great pop songwriters, but they're not well, as you know, a whole, most of as the time. Whole package, there's not a lot under. Yeah, and I, I think as a whole package, a band like Blink, like it all works, right? I think yeah. Travis I think, made I mean, they, it complete. Of course, he absolutely did. Yeah, I mean, I think with their old drummer, if they would have done the same exact songs on Enema, it just yeah. wouldn't have had the same flavor and feel. That's right. Um, but I don't know. I just Face to Face was just a band that I think I just respected more than a lot of the pop punk I was hearing because I've never really been a massive pop punk fan. Um, I, I'm, I think I'm more like you and I don't know if I even really recognize this when I was younger, but I just like good songs. So it does not matter what genre it is. This is why like, 
I'm I'm not a metalhead, but I was I was a co-host of a Metallica podcast for seven years, almost seven <laughs> yeah, years. That's a right? long time, but dude. It is, but I wouldn't yeah. call myself a metalhead, like because I'm not super deep with a lot of metal. Because a lot of it, I don't hear like good songs. Like I I do love some good screamy stuff or growly stuff. Like let's take Slayer for example. Tom Araya doesn't really sing melodies, but he screams his ass off. And but after like a record, I just get like ear fatigue, you know. And um, but I can listen to a really really well crafted song over and over again. So like when you know Reactionary came out, for example, dude, I was this has been an era when you got excited about a CD and 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 you had a CD player in your car, yeah, and you had to be out all day in your car for whatever reason, working, running errands, doing whatever. You just, it ended and you just let it go back to the beginning and just keep listening to it. And yeah. then you find like the song, you're like, oh dude, that's the one. That's my favorite that's one on this record one. or whatever. But, yeah. but you could have had everything is, is, is easily one of my favorites on this record. I love the, that it's not like a fast, you know, pop punk song with like a super fast drum beat. It's just no, like halftime no. the whole time, yeah. but it's still aggressive and powerful and, and it 100%. never lets, it never lets up the whole song. And like you said, it, you know, they get to the chorus at like 28 seconds. <laughs> No, it's they get to the chorus at 14 seconds and That's verse true. two at 28 seconds. That's true. Let's That's true. let's hear the next verse and chorus, and this will be <laughs> a way for me to say like what my favorite thing about the song now. I wouldn't have been able to put words to it then when I was you know 16, 17 when this came out. Um, I would have just thought this is fast, catchy. I love it. Now what I know that I love about it is specifically Scott's walking bass line in the second half of the chorus mm -hmm. and a walking baseline. Sometimes there's not much to that, but this one is in my opinion, so clever and so prominent as to almost count as a counter melody. Yeah. And I am a sucker for a good counter melody. That's like, that is like straight to the heart, like dancing queen by ABBA, you know, stuff like that. Like a, a perfect counter melody is like, just the best element in music I can think of. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to play that. And if you, you want, you can kind of listen with that in mind. Into the guitar solo at 58 seconds. It's I was unbelievable. That, that, that's why I was like getting closer to my camera, and I was like, "Have we even hit a minute yet?" <laughs> no, no. We were at the guitar solo bridge before one minute. Good job, Trevor. Love Fantastic. It. Well, maybe we could. Um, you know, there's. You know, the interesting thing about doing these these songs about different points in my life. This song meant a lot to me at a point in my life when my knowledge of and ability to write music was very nascent, you know, yeah. and I didn't, I, you know, and so I can come back now and I can say a little bit more about that baseline and stuff. Um, but you know, other songs from later periods of my life, there's going to be more to talk about. This one's fairly straightforward, yeah. but I thought it might be cool to like, let's play a couple other face to face songs that we love and just kind of celebrate that band before wrapping up, you know, this kind yeah. of shorter, shorter episode. So let, let's start with you. Like, what do you have like a favorite era, favorite record, favorite song? Dude, 
Well, I mean, my favorite. I, I, I kind of wonder if wonder if my favorite record is "Ignorance Is Bliss." But I do want you yeah. to play something. Maybe maybe there's people out there listening that maybe they fell off during "Ignorance Is Bliss," or maybe they fell off after the band broke up before they got back together because they've done yeah. multiple records since then. Right. Which, by the way, kick ass. Some um, of them are. There's some really cool stuff. Yeah. And there's another departure record. Uh, was it uh, laugh? No, three chords and a. Three chords, chords and, the, and the half truth and the, and truth. the half truth. Yeah. yeah. But I would like you to play something off of. Um, um, uh, protection. This record, dude. Just just play track one. This on, record on. is rad. Okay, what, three chords and the half truth. No protection. Prote- this dude, protection. Cool. Twenty sixteen, and it's like they never took a break. Dude, it really sound to me. This sounds like this could have been a follow up to self titled. Wow. Okay, here's uh track one. Yeah, bent, bent, but, but not, not broken. broken. Surprise every time we buy the light. Whoa. Why don't we pursue the truth even when it's hard to do? Whoa. I'd like to stick with this record for a second. I really yeah. like um, two other songs on it, and you can you can pick which one we hear. But I love Double Crossed, and I love See If I Care. Any preference Dude, between see, those two? On, see If I Care is, I mean, they're both awesome. This whole record's great, but put on See If I Care. That's a great one. Okay. That's a great, great pre-chorus. I can't too. believe that came out in 2016. That is just yeah. like it. It's, it's a. I think it's kind of under discussed how difficult it is for bands, especially who write music in like a youth culture genre like mm-hmm. punk rock. Yeah. To accomplish something similar when they are older, and I right. and like now that I'm 40, I, I fucking get it. <laughs> you know, like. Wait till it's, 45. <laughs> yeah, okay, wait till, yeah, exactly. But like, you know, like you don't have the same access to whatever it is. Like you you can you can do it convincingly, but it's hard to find the fire. Um, yes. And, and when a record comes out like that with like many songs that totally accomplish like the best of what that band does, mm-hmm. you know, 
literally, what is that, 25 years after they started or something like that. Yeah, totally, years, man. Something like that. Like, that is like, that's worth celebrating. It re- yeah, it, dude. And like I, like I was saying earlier, I, this could have been a follow up to self titled or even reactionary. I mean, it, I mean, yeah. or I guess what I'm saying is you could have thrown this in into the first era of face to face before their breakup. And yeah. I think 2003, I believe, um, after, you know, because they did yeah, uh, how to for how sure to have everything in there. Yeah, um, it absolutely could. And um, I think another thing I was thinking of when we were listening to that last song was I think what really attached me or, or attracted me to face to face was that they were like, quote unquote, a pop punk band. But mm-hmm. Trevor didn't have a high voice. He didn't sing like no. nasally. It, it was almost like, you know. And I'm not saying he sounds like Mike Ness, but it was like he—he he doesn't sound like anybody else to me. Well, it's, you know, it's you get more a lot on of the, the gruff pop- side. It's more on the gruff yes. side, and I do think that is—that's what made them great. It's what still makes them great. Is his—it's his naturally gruff voice uh, with uh, sincere and interesting lyrics, but singing essentially pretty straightforward, catchy melodies mm-hmm. over emotionally resonant, energetic pop music. Yeah. And I think there's always been, that's always been a sweet spot in pop music, like the gruff vocalist with the like ear candy, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, I mean, fucking Kurt Cobain. I mean, that like, right. you think of any number of examples of that, of like, that is kind of the sweet spot, especially for, uh, for heavier music. Yeah. Right. Um, but he's, yeah, it's like, I'm drawn to that sincerity and his voice is like, Oh, you could be in the heaviest band you want to be in, dude, and you'll fit in. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, your voice would fit in singing for as heavy as you want to go. And whenever those guys are willing to do something a bit more vulnerable, a bit more saccharine, like they get away with it, they pull it off because, and then when you look at Trevor Keith, he's like a solidly built, tattooed, like man's man. And it's like, <laughs> Yes, I believe you. Open up your heart and help us all learn right. our, learn learn to identify our feelings. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> totally. we trust you to help us do that. Uh, all of us dudes, you know, in no effects t-shirts. Right, exactly. Um I don't know, man. There's there was just always something this this set them apart from the rest of what was going on in punk rock in the 90s to me. You know, yeah. like I uh, listen to no no effects. Awesome band, right? But I would just always go back to face to face because they just didn't. Nobody else sounded like them, and no one else sounded like Trevor. Like I can't think of it any other singers that sound like him. Um, where whereas the rest of not all of it, obviously, I'm not trying to dog anybody, but like yeah. a huge chunk of pop punk in the '90s and early 2000s had that kind of nasally, yeah, yeah, kind. Of, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Top of your range, nasal exactly. vocals, yeah, yeah Tom and, DeLonge, etc. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, even, you know, Fat Mike has it, you know, and and, yeah. and it's just, and to me, it's just like, it was like, oh man, like hearing face to face was like, oh hell yeah. Like musically, it's a little, it's, it's still in that world, but it's a little more aggressive. I mean, you can like really hear them hitting the guitars hard. And I've always loved that, like Ramon style. And then Trevor's voice was just like, none, like not anything like any of those other like punk rock bands in the nineties. And I was just like, Oh, this is cool. You know, or I should say the pop punk bands. Um, but yeah, man, I've just, I'm, I'm glad when you sent me a list of songs to choose from, there was a face to face song on there. And I saw that, although I thought it would, it would have been hilarious for me to do a Reliant K song. <laughs> <laughs> so how yeah. Uh, that was, you? 
before your I think oh actually no I think it was no there's yeah a, there's, I did pick a song from the record that you that you were on yeah that's right yeah um that's funny. but no I was excited to talk about 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 you know yeah face to face in general but specifically th- this song from this record well I think that what we should do to kind of close out here is since we've both mentioned that the self titled from ninety six is our well it's it's probably still my favorite record maybe it it, it fights with ignorance is bliss I would say depending yeah. on the day. Um, and we don't, since we don't have access to Ignorance is Bliss on Spotify right now, um, why don't we each pick a song from the self-titled and, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll celebrate those before we close out. Do you like a, so do like do you, a verse Do you have chorus? an obvious one? I am always going to choose Blind. Okay. I pulled, I pulled up the track listing just to, just to make sure there wasn't another one that. Let's I do mean, Blind lo- and then I'll figure out which one I want to do. Uh, and then we'll, and then we'll say farewell. So here's Blind, track three right. from self-titled 1996 Face to Face. What if I'm right and you wrong? What if you knew it all along? What if I figured out that I did not belong? What if it always bothered me? What if I never did believe? Would it be wrong if I decided I should leave? If I pretended I was fine, struck it from my mind, it wouldn't still be there. Okay, and and for mine, you know, I I was tempted to go. I won't lie down. That is their second most popular song on Spotify. Mm-hmm. So if people know face to face, they've probably heard "I Won't Lie Down." So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try and go another deep cut. This yeah. is definitely more of an album track, um, less less popular. And I would I would argue maybe starting to show a little bit of what was interesting them uh, at this time that led into Ignorance Is Bliss. That's gonna be oh, my okay. little musicology argument and this is a track called take it back um yeah just a little bit less known but uh a little more emo great chorus i think um here it is almost into emo territory i think at that time yeah. right like that's, yeah it's, it's getting there for sure it's getting there it's getting there yeah uh, which and, and i know, will no even surprise s- that it that it works for me i would even add and i know we got to wrap this up because uh, oh, it's okay we can we can I think you well, said 30 on. minutes but there's no way i can talk about it well the, cool and, and when not. i said 30 that was i was planning to kind of do the <laughs> intro separately so i really meant more like 40 we're at 45 ish that's fine okay 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 yeah. well i was gonna say uh speaking of ignorance is bliss um there's so many heavy parts in that record, like that. Yeah. I'm make me shocked that some of their punk rock fans weren't like, "Well, I do like those two songs or whatever." Right? Um, I, yeah, I would encourage anyone to go back and listen to that record because there's a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, I I just think it's 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 one of one of Trevor's many peaks as a songwriter. 
tell you what, I I will track down a song, get a recording of it, and I will put it in. So we will <laughs> we it. the listeners of the podcast version. This is hopefully going to also be on YouTube. You guys won't hear it, but podcast listeners will hear a song. I actually, I mean, I have a strong inclination of what I'd like to hear, which is Prodigal. If you, Ooh. if there's no, if there's one. no uh, disagreement from you, but if you, if you have something else you'd rather hear. I don't object at all, man. You could play okay. any song from that record, and I'd be stoked. God is that the, is, is, that God the is a man. Thing you wanted to make sure was like getting a little bit of a little bit of ignorance is bliss loving here, or, or uh, I just think we've talked about it enough. Is like yeah, we gotta uh, hear it. You know, I mean, yeah. and and it'd be good if anyone listening has not really, let's say they haven't heard face to face at all, to totally. hear what they did as a departure record. And yeah. then going back into you know the return to form record, it, this would be a nice little little cap, I think. I think that's great. Okay, well then that that's where we're going to end it. Um, but Ethan, if people want to kind of connect with you in any way, where would you where would you send them? I have a Yahoo chat room that I talked to. Um, <laughs> go to mp mp three dot com. My pure volume page is actually where Dude, I kind of do I most miss of my pure interaction. Volume. That was a good site. Um, mm -hmm. I'm on all the social stuff. It's usually just okay. under my name, Ethan Luck. At Ethan okay. Luck, I'm not. I'm I'm on most things. I'm not on TikTok. How about that? Yeah, that's probably better for. It's probably 45 you. years old. Why do we need to sign up for TikTok, dude? It's like <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Okay, um, so yeah. then playing us out, uh, possibly both of our favorite Facebook. But but that's that was the thing. Like the reason I didn't pick Ignorance Is Bliss. I don't think I said this earlier. Is that when that came out in 1998, two years before Reactionary, I'm 14, 15 years old. I can't conceive of writing anything like <laughs> what they're doing there. Mm -hmm. That yeah, was totally. at that time a decade beyond me kind of mm -hmm. a thing. And then they go back to their sound. I'm two years older. Now all of a sudden the gears are closer and I kind of know what MXPX is doing. Face-to-face -face was a bit more approachable, you know, not as yeah. fast, not as technical in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and some of those, those bold primary colors really worked for me. Um, but this record is, you know, uh, ignorance is bliss has just grown so much in my estimation. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, an honor and a privilege to have prodigal play us out here on yeah. vibrations. Thanks so much, Ethan Luck. Thanks for having me.